0: Welcome everyone to a new episode of ff plus your spoiler-free outlet for movie reviews entertainment recommendations and discussion i'm one of your hosts aaron and with me as usual is my friend Kales. hello hello kales we have two really fun movies to talk about tonight lots of m's in the title it is the night of m's that's the theme we've got the Mitchells versus the Machines and Mortal Kombat. No, Mortal Kombat. Um, kind of misses it up just a little, but we'll allow it. Before we get into the films, though, I want to make a quick ask of our listeners. We have had a desire for a long time to see the podcast recognized on Rotten Tomatoes website. Now, we all know that Rotten Tomatoes is not at all the end all be all of. Recognition of what a film is, uh, whether it's a quality movie, whether it's good or bad, and and people in the world who don't necessarily listen to film podcasts or don't watch film reviews rely on Rotten Tomatoes though, and sometimes that score means a lot to them, that fresh and rotten and whatever the percentage number is, and we want to be a part of that. The fact of the matter is that it is a feather in the cap for any film critic. And we would like to achieve that recognition and be able to reach more viewers with our brand of film review. And so in order to do that, the criteria for Rotten Tomatoes for podcasts is 200 ratings on Apple Podcasts app or Apple Podcasts system. It doesn't count ratings that you might leave on Stitcher or any other podcast app platform. It's a little bit of annoyance because in order to leave a review, you've got to be an iPhone user, which automatically cuts down anybody listening to us right now that might be using an Android device like myself, which is frustrating, right? Um, that, that's their system, but it's their system. And because of that, we've we've gotten close, but we're not there yet. We still need about 30-ish ratings. You don't even have to write a full review. You just have to make a star recommendation, 5 preferably please uh, is what we need and then you can just end it with that really that's all you've got to do if you want to write a review that's awesome a few words can do nothing but help us further as well but the ways that you can do this is you can do it through the apple podcast application on your iphone your ipad or you can do it on itunes on a desktop computer a laptop computer whatever program has itunes you can go on you can leave a review for us there so that's our ask, guys uh, and gals. If you have a couple minutes to spare, give us a rating. Ask your friends and family to give us a rating too if you love the show. It's just going to help bring more people into the conversations that we like to have and hopefully bring more people into the Facebook group as well where these conversations are happening every single day about movies. Today there was a great like influx. One person posted in the Facebook discussion group their top 10 or top 20 of the decade, 2010s, And then everybody started posting their lists, and some people had 20, some people had, like, 50. I haven't done mine yet. It's probably going to have about 100 because I just can never decide. (laughs) But (laughs) it's been fun seeing those lists come across all day. It's a great place uh, to be. And you can always find a link to the Facebook discussion group uh, in the show notes if you want to come join us there as well. So Rotten Tomatoes' uh, ask is to give us an Apple review rating so we can get to that recognition. Okay, time to move on. Thank you for indulging us. First up for us tonight is The Mitchells vs. The Machine. And I'm trying to remember what this used to be called. I think it was called Connected at one point. I want to say it's called Connected. I like this title mm. a lot better. Yeah. It stars Abby Jacobson, Danny McBride, Maya Rudolph, Mike Rianda, Eric Andre, Olivia Coleman. Fred Armisen, Beck Bennett, Chrissy Teigen, I did not even realize, John Legend, I didn't realize they were in this. You're going to have to tell me who they were. Charlene (laughs) Yee, Blake Griffin, Conan O'Brien, Doug the Pug, (laughs) (laughs) Sashir Zamata, L Mills, Alex Hirsch, and Jay Farrow. I just realized who Chrissy and John were. They're the neighbor friends, I think. The Perfect Neighbors. The Perfect Neighbors. Yeah. Of course they are. It fit them. They look almost like them now they, that they Now that it. I do too, you're right. I was like, oh my gosh. Oh, huh. I gotta watch it again. Okay. It is directed by Mike Rionda and is written by Mike Rionda and Jeff Rowe. What is it about? Well, this is the synopsis. From The Humans Who Brought You, the Academy Award winning Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and the Lego movie. And I say, I want to get into a little bit of a criticism with that. The I'll get into it when we get into the movie. Comes the film, The Mitchells vs. the Machines, an animated action comedy about an ordinary family who finds themselves in the middle of their biggest family challenge yet, saving the world from the robot apocalypse. No big deal, right? It all starts when creative outsider Katie Mitchell is accepted into the film school of her dreams and is eager to leave home and find, quote, her people. When her nature-loving dad insists on having the whole family drive her to school and bond during one last, totally not awkward or forced road trip. But just when the trip can't get any worse, the family suddenly finds itself in the middle of the robot uprising. Everything from smartphones to Roombas to other interesting toys are employed to capture every human on the planet. Now it's up to the Mitchells, including upbeat mom Linda, quirky little brother Aaron, their squishy pug Monchi, and two friendly but simple-minded robots to save humanity. All right, uh... Tell me what your knowledge of this was going into it, and then let me know what you liked about this one.
1: Lately, what I've been doing is trying to go into a lot of the new films we're doing kind of blind, you know, without really knowing too much because it helps me reset my expectations. And it helps me to really take in something new without really having a bias. Um as soon as the credits came up and I saw that Lord and Miller were the production team behind it, I already knew I was in for something good because I've seen Into the Spider-Verse over a million times by now and I'm dying to see whatever these guys are behind. Even if they're not writing or directing it, if they're producing it, I know it's going to be something good. And I was right. This film was fantastic to me. Outside of the familiar humans versus robots thing that we've seen in every other film, this is mostly a family film. This is about a family that is not really as connected as they should be. You know, a family that on social media, they seem like they're tight knit. They seem like they love each other. But when you get behind closed doors, we see that they're disconnected. And speaking of connection, this film is about social media. It's about technology. It's about we live in the world of smartphones and where we indulge ourselves in this blue light, this screen. And we almost don't think about it that these social networks were meant to connect us together. but they actually are tearing us apart. I mean, there's a scene in this film, early in the film, where we see the family sit down at the table and the dad comes in. He's like, okay, guys, we're ready to eat. And the wife, the daughter, and the son are all just deep right into their phones. And that should be familiar for anybody who's lived in this generation. I've seen it myself. I mean, I've even seen where families are not even eating at the table together. They were rather eating in their rooms by themselves. And it seems like with technology that we've allowed ourselves to become so obsessed, you know, with the time, scrolling down the timeline, with likes, with comments, and the film talks about how the whole world depends on the internet. There's a funny scene where the robots, after they take over the world, they're like, well, you know what we're going to do? We're going to turn the Wi-Fi off. They turn the Wi-Fi off, and you just see all around the world, everybody just goes crazy. It's chaos. Like, no one knows what to do anymore because we become, like— so connected just through a laptop through a phone and i think what this movie is trying to say is that the beauty of life the beauty of connection is when we sit down as a family we talk to each other when we go out and we call and hang out with a friend we go and get some coffee together like actually getting that face-to-face interaction that's where the magic happens now as far as the story of the robots versus machines i found it very enjoyable especially during the last act That's where the action gets crazy. That's where we see the characters kind of come to their true form. And we get a bunch of just dazzling visuals. I mean, I kind of like the whole Photoshop aspect of the film. There are many moments where you get these memes and you get kind of like these images and you get these YouTube videos that they took from straight from the site. I love that, you know, because we, we're living in a digital age, you know, we're living in a world where you can create almost anything just from a computer. All you got, all you need is internet connection. So for me, this film is just very enjoyable. I mean, it's not nothing like Into the Spider-Verse, how amazing that film was, but this is something that a lot of people are going to love. I mean, kids are going to love it because there there's a kid in here, if this movie, I'll I'm I'm sorry to be switching up my points, but there's so much in this film that I could talk about. And another thing I love is that it embraces weirdom it embraces the weird. And for me, I'm a weird person. So seeing like a kid in this film that loves talking about dinosaurs, I'm not interested in dinosaurs, but just seeing a little kid have that obsession with dinosaurs and wanting to go to see like a dinosaur museum. I thought that was awesome. I thought it was great that the lead character, Abby, she does these short films and she's on her way to film school and Hey, we're film reviewers. So we love film. So that automatically connected with me and it was great seeing the parents, the dad. He, he doesn't know how to use any social media. He doesn't know how to use YouTube. He doesn't know how to use Facebook. And later on in the scene, that comes to the side the whole film, whether is, whether he is fluent in using YouTube or, or using Facebook and everything. Um, I love the uh, music. You know, I love the, just the energy. There's a lot of energy in this film. It's like very fast paced at certain points and it gets kind of slow, bogged down, but. It's a thrill ride. It's a joy ride. And I think, honestly, a lot of people are going to love this film. And I hope that just because it's not releasing it to the fears and just because it's on Netflix, I think a lot of eyes should be on this film. You know, it's not a new Spider-Verse film, but it's a great animated film.
0: Yeah, man, I would echo a whole bunch of what you have to say. And I'm actually concerned a little bit about that, about whether or not it's going to get the traction that a movie that releases in a theater gets i mean it's going to be a great example or a great test of that for netflix now they've been able to do good business with capturing audience attention on live action stuff and getting some oscar attention for oscar type films but their are animated stuff so far i mean over the what is it over the moon from last year i think it did it get a nomination it might have even gotten a nomination but I don't know anybody that talks about it, right? And and I mean I found it to be a good but not anything special kind of film anyway. But this is going to be interesting because there's really not a lot of marketing for this. I haven't seen it out and about. I haven't mm-hmm. seen commercials for it. And it's going to rely on you know critics and people like us who are spreading the word and then on people who just see this cool animated you know little square on their netflix pop up and say new movie and then they click on it because it's animated and hopefully they fall in love with it and then word of mouth maybe they tell their friends and their you know family and they post on facebook or whatever ironically so um yeah it's going to be interesting to see how it catches on so far the reviews have been really good even you know in addition to ours we both really really enjoyed it there Is definitely an energy to it. I like that word. And I like what you said about the third act because for me, the third act is where it's at. Not to, you know, steal one of my dislikes, but the first couple acts, I was in and out of liking it a lot versus just feeling it was okay. Uh, But that third act happens and it's a fairly long third act, which is excellent. And, And I just, I was completely engaged and sucked into this movie at that point. And all the themes really. Come home, uh, and not just in one moment, but over the course of the third act, the themes really present themselves. You know, it sets it up, and you're expecting what you're going to get: the commentary on social media, and the commentary on technology, and over uh, connectedness, um, and then you, you know, the broken family and how the communication doesn't work right, between different members of the family. They're not speaking each other's languages. And you know they're going to eventually find that spark and find ways to connect, Uh, and and they do. And so when it starts to happen, yeah, it just – it really low-key surprised me how subtly I became invested in the characters because there are some movies where you're just very self-aware – that you're feeling something along with this character from the moment one to moment two, all the way up until something. I didn't feel that way with them. I actually didn't know that I cared about them until towards the third act. And then I was like, Oh, okay, (laughs) I guess I do. Um, Yeah. There is a wealth of beautiful animation in this. It is absolutely gorgeous. And I think I like the fact that it's different than into the spider verse. It's not trying to copy that or the Lego movie for that matter. But yet, if you were to say those three movies and put screenshots of them up next to each other, what they would all have in common is a very vibrant pop. It's a pop of an animation. I mean it it looks like it's jumping out the screen like it's from a comic book page or something. Um, And it really works, uh, specifically with all of the film school-related bits because she's she's into short films. She's making movies, right? And so there's like this meta-ness – to the film, where she's making movies about the movie's story as it's happening, and we get like it, it's some really cool visual stuff because of that. Um, but like the memes you were talking about, I love how it weaves current modern pop culture into it. Uh, and then, so the the music's great. I think the music's great as well. The voice actors are generally really great uh, and solid. Uh, we mentioned the names Olivia Coleman. The shock for me was like, whoa, OK, this is, you know, a top tier kind of we don't think of Olivia Coleman as being in this movie. First of all, like it's mm-hmm. basically that's what I'm getting at. Chrissy Teigen. Yeah, I can see that. John Legend kind of cameo. I can see that. You know what I mean? Like Jay Pharoah, obviously going to like those are people you can easily be like, yeah, I get it. Maya Rudolph, she's a comedian. It makes sense. Olivia Coleman is known for her very dramatic, I guess, and comedy, but like very Oscar comedy type performances and she plays an ai character in this movie and and she blew me away like i thought she was perfect and the fact that she is so talented i think added so much to this performance and it kind of elevated the movie in a way because the character she plays is super important and instead of being schlocky because the voice performance is schlocky she gave it a weight and gave it kind of a gravitas that I thought helped a lot. Uh, yeah. I, I liked it a lot, man. I the, the funny thing about the movie for me, the dog stuff, by the way, is awesome. As a new puppy owner, I loved this dog. <laughs> uh, there's a moment where the dog's like licking the dad's face and the dad's like, what the heck? Why won't it stop? And I'm just like, yep, I, I get that. I get that now. I understand. <laughs> um, and for me, it was like a slow burn deal. Like, That's the thing. Even after watching it, I was kind of not sure where I was going to land. And then this is a movie that sat well with me. So a couple days later, after seeing it and now talking about it, I found myself remembering it fondly. And I I really like that. One thing I've come to notice is it kind of sucks sometimes when you have to go to a screening and, like, put out a review the next day because you don't get to sit with something. But now that I got to sit with this for a couple days – I realized I like it a lot more and I probably would have not been quite as high on it had we said, you know, recorded the night we watched it. So that's nice. Lots of fun film references, like great mention of Dawn of the Dead in this one. Uh, you know, you and I are both fans of Snyder's uh, film and, and it was just, it was hilarious. And then there's some tech uh, in this that literally had me just busting out laughing. Some Some toys from the past is all I'm gonna say. I don't wanna spoil it, because I think it's an amazing surprise. And then there's some really sweet credits. I thought the credits, the credits almost always are really good in these animated films from this crew um, and these producers. And this one had family photos of the cast and crew at various stages of their lives uh, with colorful borders and the actual animation around it. I just thought it was a really neat way to pay tribute to the people behind the scenes. Like, you don't get to see those people. I, you never, you never see a, you know, casting director. You may know a name, but you don't know what that person looks like. And it's cool to like see a family photo of a casting director. I thought. Um. All right. Well, that's a lot of likes. Uh, was there anything you did not like about the Mitchells versus the Machines?
1: Um, I would just say that the you know the storyline of humans going against the robots. I mean, it's a it's a very overdone storyline at this point. I mean, the only thing that really makes this film great is that it does something at least new with it. With is trying to add some social commentary, but even then, at some points, the social commentary is a little bit on the nose. Like I think there was a quote later on in the film where the guy's like, "Oh well, you know, maybe I should not been this." this tech guy who who took everybody's data and used it as a monopoly and sold it to this company and like put everybody at risk. And it's like, yeah, you know, obviously, yes, that's not a good idea. And, you know, in certain points, you kind of see the whole idea of like, yeah, the internet's bad. Yes, being addicted to your smartphone is bad. Yes, and we already know all of this. So when when it brings it into the film, it's kind of just obvious. But I think it is a message for, especially for young kids to get You know, because now we see a bunch of young kids now. Now I'm seeing kids just with, like, faces in their tablets, you know, just being in front of a TV screen all day, not reading any books or anything. So I think a film like this would be great for them to see, even with it being, like, on the nose with its messaging. Other than that, I couldn't really find too many other dislikes. I loved a lot of this film, obviously.
0: That's good to hear, man. I really, I really really makes me happy. I'm excited to watch it again with my kids or to watch it again and I'm just excited to hear what they think about it. I related a lot to the daughter, I guess. That's not the way to put it necessarily. But I'm I'm not like the dad, but I have a teenage daughter who is a little bit on the weirdom kind of Tangent, like you were talking about, she's going into computer programming. She wants to be a game programmer. She doesn't want to be a game designer. She wants to, like, code. That's what she wants to do. She wants to sit in a room and make boxes that characters jump on top of and do things in the background, right? And there's not a lot of people that fully get and understand what she wants to do and what her passion is, but it's like Katie in this movie and her filmmaking. That's what Ashlyn is into. She's going to a film school equivalent of a game design school called digipin it is an elite school that is specifically for this thing right this art that she is creatively like wanting to do for the rest of her life and so she's a little on the outskirts she doesn't have a ton of friends she's a lot like this character and i thought it was really neat to see that portrayed in a positive way too i, I don't know why I'm, I'm going into my likes here i'm, can't, I'm all over the place um My dislikes. So first and foremost, the one thing that really held this back for me is Mike Rionda, the director, cast himself as the voice actor for the little brother Aaron in this film. And he has never done a voice performance. I went and looked to see what his career was. He's very new. I think this may be his first full feature film. Uh, If not, he hasn't done much, but he certainly hasn't done voice work before in any sort of movies that and it shows frankly i don't necessarily think he's horrible with his performance but his voice does not match the eight-year-old version of this kid in any way shape or form he sounds like a nerdy adult in an eight-year-old body and everybody else in the movie to me matches up perfectly with their animated characters. And so every time he would talk, I would be like, "What? This is weird." And so it distracted me, and I did not like that at all. Um it was just a, an annoyance and frustration and I wish they would have picked a different voice for that character. Like you mentioned the themes and the story, it's not subtle in the slightest. Like it is 100% on the nose as you said. I- I'm putting it in her dislikes, but like you, it's kind of borderline because I think we have to talk about that in the context of what we're reviewing, right? If we're reviewing a mystery movie, then, yeah, not being subtle is a, a fault. It's a negative. We're reviewing a kid's movie. You want the kids to get it, right? We're not mm-hmm. trying to, like, supri- make an eight-year-old not be able to figure it out. We want them to see what's going on. So in that regard, it's not necessarily a fault at all. But for adults, you know, it's something you're going to notice,
1: yeah, it's like you don't want a kid to like – you don't want a kid to be watching a movie that's the equivalent of a tenant where you know you have to keep going back over and over again to try and figure out what's going on. Like, yeah, you want a kid to get it on the first try because kids get bored easily. <laughs> exactly,
0: exactly, exactly. So so yeah, so there's that. And then for me, the other big negative of this is really not about the movie. Uh, it's it's actually the it's something you called out as a positive, which was – if you see that Lord and Miller were involved, you're going to automatically want to see this. Well, that's true because that's how marketing works. What is a little frustrating to me is when that happens. And this happens a lot with James Wan uh, comes to mind specifically where it's X movie from James Wan. No, James Wan produced it like he didn't direct it. He didn't write it. Or And it's the same thing here. Lord Miller didn't write it. They didn't direct it. They produced it, and while, yes, you can see some similarities in those yeah. previous films, it's it's kind of hard to, like, put that responsibility or, I guess, on them because they're not in charge all the way. You know what I mean? It, it's a weird – I don't like when they market movies like that because I just – I, guess, I know they have some oversight and input in everything when they're producing, but like I think it takes away from – it's Mike Rianda's and Jeff Rowe's movie. You know what I mean? Uh, for good or bad, and I just wish that we did a better job of kind of calling that out rather than saying from the people who brought you this other movie because, well, Mike Rianda and Jeff Rowe didn't bring you those previous two movies, and they're the main car- or main you know talent behind this as far as creating it.
1: Nah, nah, I get your point, I get your point. I think for me, it was, for me, I saw it in the cast, and like, when they were doing the whole credits in the beginning, and I saw Lord and Miller right there. But no, I, I hate the same thing too. It's even worse when you see it on a movie poster of a film. Like, these horror films that usually come out, they say, oh, from the producers of The Conjuring, from the producer of Get Out, from the producer of like, John Wick. But it's like, the producers of John Wick. What about the people who are writing it and directing it? What about the actors? It, I hate it when it, that's the lead-in to your film. It's just from the producer to this. That's when you know that the film almost doesn't really have a chance, and they're just trying to bank in on a big name. But, yeah, I see your point, Aaron. I mean, I hate that kind of marketing, too, and I wish it was called out more so it could stop.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean, I don't think there's anything wrong with, with noting their involvement. I just think yeah, let's note the people. You're – putting the – it it lends itself to giving credit when credit is due to the wrong people in mm. in, a, in a way. And if this movie is great, which we both think it is, like let's celebrate what Mike Rionda and Jeff Rowe accomplished in writing and directing this movie instead of Lord and Miller who were not the primary folks there. So um, yeah, I don't know. Just something I had been –
1: Unre- Unrelated, but do you remember back in the day in the early 2000s where like – there was this film called Cabin Fever with Eli Roth, and the I way do. that they market it is they did Peter Jackson Presents, because Peter Jackson, I guess, was a guy no. who paid Eli some <laughs> guidance on it, so they was like, Peter Jackson pre- Presents Cabin Fever, but it's like, no, this film was directed by Eli Roth. It, it is a
0: very I, different...
1: <laughs> I'm glad that that stopped. <laughs> <at>
0: yeah, <least. laughs> no doubt, absolutely. But, I mean, I think James Wan was involved in Mortal Kombat too, and for a long time it was, which is what we're about to talk about, and... It was, you know, James Wan's doing Mortal Kombat reboot. (laughs) Simon McQuaid is the person who made this movie. Like, hello, what about that guy? You know, how does that guy ever going to make a name for himself if you just say James Wan did it? Well, no, he didn't, you know. Um, Anywho. All right. That out of the way, recommended. I think we both recommend this. We can't say we recommend it in the theaters because it's not going to the theaters, sadly sucks um it will be streaming on netflix on april 30th so mark your calendars make a family night get your popcorn ready and have a blast with this one since we already plugged our rotten tomatoes we're gonna skip over our ad for this week if you want to hear about a letterbox deal we've got going on check out basically any other episode in the last month and a half okay next movie we've got for tonight is mortal Kombat. maybe i should have said mortal Kombat. okay Starring Louis Tan, Jessica McNamee, Joss Lawson, Tadanobu Asanu, Makad Brooks, Ludi Lin, Chin Han, Joe Taslam, and Hiroyuki Sanada. It's directed by, as I mentioned, Simon McQuaid. Written by Greg Russo, Sean Catherine Derrick, David Callahan, Drew McWeeny. what a name... And Scott Swan, and it is based on the Mortal Kombat video game series by Ed Boon and John Tobias. What's it about? Well, if you've been living under a rock, Mortal Kombat is a mysterious intergalactic tournament of ancient martial arts. Shaolin monk Luke Kang from Earth gets invited as a competitor. <laughs> wow. Uh, that <laughs> there's <some> other, <laughs> What a synopsis. We should have just left it at is an ancient mysterious tournament of ancient martial arts and then some stuff happens (laughs) (laughs) okay i'm a gamer big time uh so i'm excited to get into this so before you when you hit on your likes start us off i want to know what your background is with mortal Kombat. do you have a background and then that way people can kind of have your comments in context
1: so for me, I've been playing Mortal Kombat since it was on the Sega Genesis back in the nineties when I was a kid. Um I think my mom didn't understand how bloody and gory it was. She just I'd be like, hey, let me play Mortal Kombat, she'd just <laughs> buy me the game and never sit there and watch it with me. So I've been playing Mortal Kombat for forever and I really like the new generation games. Um I played a lot of Mortal Kombat eleven, so this is why I was coming into the movie with this kind of knowledge. My favorite character uses Jax. So if anybody wants to come and challenge me, just know that you're going to get a lot of
0: jacks. (laughs) Well, I'm glad your favorite character is prominent in the movie. Mine Mm -hmm. is Kung Lao, and he's prominent in the movie, too. So we both kind of made out.
1: Yes. In in this film, it felt almost like the video game to me. The first thing I noticed was that they were very open with how much blood that they used in this film. I mean, in the first fight scene, there's just blood just coming out everywhere. I mean, like – dudes are just getting stabbed in the arm the chest shows the legs and just gushes of blood is coming out and i'm glad that they were not afraid of of using blood using a lot of blood because that's what the game is the game is mature rated so of course your film needs to be r-rated as strong as you can get it without too much of a limit and pushing it and i think that this film did a great job with that the fight choreography is great Uh, I i'm wondering the guys behind us who did the choreography, I'm wondering did they did any work with John Wick or with a bunch of the Hong Kong action films that I've been seeing in the last decade because it felt almost like something that you would see in a foreign film. I mean these guys like were just so agile and just moving almost like ballerinas across the settings and, you know, guys are getting punched, people are flying through the air and, you know, you get these visuals and you getting all the powers of everybody like Jax getting his arms, great moment. Then you see Sub Zero with the ice and everything. And let me ask you something, do you think that Sub Zero was kind of overpowered in this film? Because in the games, <laughs> he's not this powerful. <laughs>
0: I mean, yes, I think that they needed a big bad. And since they didn't use a certain other big bad, Shang Tsung, yes, in this film, they needed a headline baddie that people I think this plays into the movie's fan service. Like they know Sub-Zero has an enormous fan base. Mm-hmm. And so he has an enormous fan base because he has super cool power. So why not go ahead and make him OP? So yes, he is definitely OP and more powerful comparatively to many of the other characters in this movie. But I don't think that's a negative. I think it was awesome.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was great. You know, seeing him, seeing Cabal, we saw – um Sonya Blade, you know, we see Liu Kang and we see Kong Lao and Shang Su and just all of these great characters that I'm used to playing with in the video game. And it was great because we get a lot of character development. There's Jax and Sonya Blade. They get a nice, like, little backstory where we see Jax and Sonya were in special forces together and they talk about the missions that they were on. And we see that they actually care for one another. And we see that Liu Kang has a backstory. And we even see the guy, um, Cole let me see. I think his name yeah, his Cole name is Young. Cole, Cole Young, and we see him that he gets a, a backstory. He's an MMA fighter and he's used to just fighting for two hundred dollars a day and trying to make money to like provide for his family and he gets a calling in his life. I mean, I love it felt like that this film was not just just strictly about fighting. There was actually like really genuine backstory and some really genuine drama in this film and that Automatically put this film for me. It put it over the hump of the 1995 film, which I love for nostalgia purposes. But this film blows that out of the water. And the visuals are great too. I love the character design. Sub Zero suit looks badass. I love Sub Zero's suit. Cabal suit looks great. I love Jax, especially when he finally grows the big heavy metal arms. And then I love seeing Goro, even though he's all CGI. He looked great. <laughs> He looked awesome and this film just really knew what it was doing when when it was trying to adapt the subject matter. It knew that it wanted to appeal to a new audience and it also wanted to bring in the like people like us who grew up with the game. It is going to appeal to a lot of fan bases. And for me, I'm going to put this as one of the best video game films ever made.
0: Oh yeah. I'm, yes. So I'm I'm going <laughs> to I'll sign that petition <laughs> in a heartbeat. Uh, it, it definitely is better than the previous film to me, too. I'm a creature of the new, specifically in video games. I've noticed that when I do my video game rankings, a lot of my favorite games that are series, you know, I'm a longtime lover of Diablo, a long time lover of Civilization. I, I like the newest versions of them because they're newer, they're flashier, they have better graphics, they've been iterated, they have, you know, new mechanics in them. And this film feels like it takes advantage of the new mechanics available in 2021, you know, uh, with filmmaking style and an ability to do CGI in certain ways. And oh, it is! It, it was so much fun. I I watched this whole movie with a grin on my face. And and like you, <laughs> you know, I'm a fan of the game series going back, uh, but specifically MK11. My kids and I played through the entire story together. Um, so they got into it. They, we, we love, like, messing around with each other, just fighting with our favorites, trying to learn the fatalities and such, which is part of this series. And so, yes, uh, seeing it go full R. I was a little nervous, to be honest, because I'm not a big gore guy. But I, I'm, this is going to sound really weird. It, it was done in a tasteful, <laughs> tasteful way. So comparatively <laughs> to, like, something we reviewed last week in The Earth which had some gore. For some reason, the gore in that movie bothered me 10 times as much as it bothered me in this. And I think that's because when I see it here, first of all, it's pretty quick cuts. We don't linger on things, which I appreciate. But it's part of something that I am connected to nostalgically, those fatalities. And it feels like it just belongs. And some of my, at least two of my favorite fatalities are in this game. I can't tell you who they're from because that would start to give things away, but they're there and they're sick. <laughs> they, they freaking look awesome. Um, like you said, the suits, the, the characters designs, the way that characters, the CGI is done that helps with the character movement for the supernatural aspects. My man, Kung Lao, and the way he moves with his spinning razor hat is phenomenal. The... Way that Cabal looks, like you mentioned, oh my gosh. And the way he zips around the sc- the, the screen in his, like, sort of a teleportation mode. Um, the, the Raiden, like, CGI with his, his lightning looks phenomenal. There is a character in this movie that is not fully human, is sort of an animal, kind of, that looks... It was also in the original movie in a different form, and I was blown away by how... They handled that character in this movie. Loved, 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 loved the look of him. Uh, and yeah, I, I think it's I think it's really good. Um, the new character Cole Young, I, he makes sense I think. So they made the choice to not have Johnny Cage, famous Mortal Kombat character, who led the first Mortal Kombat film. It was really Johnny and Sonya kind of getting the crew together with Jacks. They took him out and they put this Cole Young character in who is new, which I actually appreciate because the Mortal Kombat series is known for continually adding to its cast of characters. I mean you can – in the DLC for Mortal Kombat 11, the latest game, you could play as freaking Terminator and um, like all kinds of different characters now. So they're always adding to that roster too, and Cole Young to me makes sense as like a new age Johnny Cage because he's kind of got that same brashness to him, but he's a family man, which I think gives him a different um, angle as well. And I really appreciate that because it comes into play, especially um, with some of the themes of the film and the the fights that go on between Sub-Zero and Scorpion and the, the reason for the lore and how this battle's come to be. But the fact that he's an MMA fighter, basically, I think is the right choice because we are in 2021, so – if you're making this movie in 2021, then he you should have an MMA fighter like this is one of the biggest martial art combat sports in the world. Like, why wouldn't you? And it, so just it fits to me. Um, I, I think that. Overall, man, it just it's just watching it. it the it's It's got a great like we mentioned with the first movie we talked about, it's got a great energy. The pacing is on point. The score uh, by uh, Walfich, I think is his name, uh, is outstanding. I really like the back uh, Benjamin Walfish. It's it's really good music. Um, I think it accentuates the fight scenes well and gets the blood pumping. And then the, the fight scenes are phenomenal. It, it just it has a cinematic look to video game cinematic look to it, and that is part of its fan service. It, it, this is a movie about fan service and I saw a quote by somebody that said it is a video game adaptation crafted almost exclusively for diehard fans and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that and I could not agree more yes it's not gonna appeal to every single viewer it's just not because it's a mixture of serious and cheese (laughs) and these characters are not, there, there's a lot of B-ish, B-level-ish kind of acting feel to it. That's on purpose. That's the game. That's the freaking game, right? <laughs> like, why would you want to make it something that's not the game? If you're adapting a game, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And so I, I appreciate that. Uh, Kano is in this movie, and Kano is a walking one-liner in the games. And he blew me away in this movie. He's I loved him. I just, he had me, like, rolling on the floor constantly, Love Jax, he stood out to me, so your man got uh, a lot of my favorite scenes in this film. And then, yeah, just in general, I, I just feel like many of the moments in this movie that people would be like, oh, that's so silly, kind of over-Hollywood-esque filmmaking. I'm like, no, that looks like a cutscene from MK11 is what it looks like, which is which is what it's supposed to look like. So if you are a fan of the games, I, I cannot see you not having an absolutely amazing time and enjoy this um i I thought it was a blast as well i'll say i'll give my negatives real quick my dislikes um i think the new raiden was hard for me i don't think he does bad by any stretch of the imagination but his eyes there's something weird about the cgi in his eyes it just it doesn't look right to me um it looks like he's wearing white contacts instead of like having lightning bursting out of his eyes, and I think of all the characters in the original Mortal Kombat, Christopher Lambert is iconic as Raiden, and it's really hard to overcome that heavy nostalgia of an iconic performance as Raiden, and so it was that was a struggle. Um, again, some of the the acting is definitely not good, uh, it, and I think there's a charm to that, but it's also You know, it's borderline cringy occasionally, but not often, which is good. Story-wise, it's a little lackluster for me in that the way that the story progresses, I like the way it sets up the lore, and I'm fine with the thematic battle that is at the center of this kind of thing that is ultimately what the conclusion, you know, uh comes to settle, but there is you can tell that this movie is leaning heavily on the you know current Hollywood trend of how can we set up a sequel. Now, the final scene in this movie had me literally jump out of my seat and go let's effing go uh, at the screen. So there is that. I mean, I want more. I want a sequel, so I'm okay with it. But you know, at times you're kind of like I there's a lot more that could have been done. With this first one, that I feel like they might have intentionally held back certain characters, used certain characters that maybe were a little more expendable, uh, and then made some choices to intentionally set up a bigger, bombasticker sequel. Uh, so, you know, kind of on that borderline dislike kind of status, like, it doesn't totally bother me. But I'm going to be upset if we don't get another one now, frankly, because I think there's so much more you could have done story-wise that I would have liked to see. I'll also note – this is not a dislike, but just need to throw it out there. There is no post-credit scene, so if you're listening to this before you see the movie, you don't have to waste five to seven minutes of your time. It doesn't exist. So after the end scene that's kind of a big awesome stinger moment, you're good to go. So what about you? What did you not like about it?
1: I understand that Cole Young is a new guy. He's added to this and he's surrounded by all of these heroes that we know and we've grown up with and we've seen and love, but he's a main character that is overshadowed by his, by the supporting roles greatly. Like, honestly, by the end of the film, I kind of just like, just saw him as just being a guy who was in the way. Like, I understand that he does have a dramatic arc and, you know, he gets that hero's journey, but I don't know whether it was the actor or the way the character is, it's just that it wasn't anything special to me. And I feel that in a film like this, you're not trying to go for anything too important, but your main character should be the one that can drive the film. And that was one thing that where it where the original kind of shined through because in the original 1995 one, Lou Kane is clearly driving that story, but in this one, Cole Young is kind of just overshadowed by everybody else around him. And also I I wanted to bring attention to Kano now Kano I know that he's usually a douche and I know he's a braggadocious kind of like a trash talky guy but I found this character to be annoying in this film like I I, at a point I was getting tired of him just speaking and just saying these cringy jokes and the just being that guy who's just the antagonist I was like can you just please chill dude like (laughs) there were some times I was just wanting him just to calm down but other than that I mean, I couldn't find too much dislike with this film. Is it the greatest thing in the world? No. But for somebody who has played the game and has grew up with knowing all things Mortal Kombat, it fulfilled all my needs. And I wouldn't mind getting a sequel to this. Like you said before, when you saw the last scene, I turned to my girlfriend, I was like, yes i was like this is where we are headed to because i felt like that this film was trying to give you a lot of backstory and you could clearly tell that there is more heroes there's more villains that could be added to this world that you can expand on this for at least two or three more films so i am actively cheering for this to be successful i actively cheering for this to get a lot of money at the box office given where theaters are open and for it to get some good reviews and hopefully they can greenlit a sequel for this
0: i'm with you like like i said like we'll sign the petition where's e-man at petition master over there like make one we'll get it on good morning america we'll <laughs> to- no uh we gotta see how it does first uh, i'm expecting it to get this is where the gamers are gonna love it and i hope that we're loud enough to mm-hmm. propel it and i hope that we do and en- i hope people go see it in the movie theater basically is what i'm gonna say so I would say I'm feeling it and I say, yes, it's worth a theater. I'm going to IMAX on Friday night. It's my birthday. I've been excited about this forever (laughs) that it's dropping literally on my birthday a video game movie. I don't know what could be more, Aaron. I'm taking my kids who I play the game with, uh, so it's exciting, but we're going. You know, I hope that other people will do that. Would you say go see it in the theater or would you say just catch it on HBO Max?
1: Oh, I would say definitely go to go to the theater, see you on the biggest screen you can IMAX, Dolby Vision, whatever you do go out and watch this film.
0: Hmm. All right, yeah, so we agree uh, in theaters and streaming on HBO Max this Friday on April the 23rd so you can see this right around the corner uh, get hyped it's a good one. Well, that's all for us this time on FF Plus. We hope that one of these films or both of these films have piqued your interest and we would love to hear what you think when you see them. So you can always hit us up on Twitter at FeelinFilm, Film or you can join the FeelinFilm Film Facebook discussion group. Come on in. There's a link in the show notes. Join up. Come meet some people to talk movies with all day. Be part of an awesome community. Share, share your, your best movies of the decade with us. We love to see it and talk about it and tell you what we agree with and what we don't. We, we we will be back soon. Uh, we will be doing a full episode on Mortal Kombat, by the way. I know we've been kind of absent. Um, we're like reworking and rethinking how main episodes are going to work. Frankly, um, they may not be as frequent anymore. Um, we're going to be we're really highlighting you know this show as our review show, and we're going to be pivoting the main episodes that are spoilery into movies that we love, and not just movies that we might like (laughs) we will we really want to talk about movies that we enjoy and that's really what the bottom line is and so we're kind of working towards that with patrick coming back we're gonna make our comeback here in two weeks though patrick's coming back the three of us all we're excited about mortal Kombat, and three of us are going to get together and talk about it on the main show a spoilery as well which will probably just be a geek out fest kind of like snyder cut was we'll just be like (laughs) i'll remember this moment oh yeah whatever so you can be looking forward to that as well. Speaking of the Field and Film Facebook group, I should say we are still a few days away from the Oscars and there is time. If you come join the Facebook group, there is a pinned post at the top where you can join our Oscar pick competition. There will be prizes for first place and last place. So you can come be a part of that, throw your picks in and see if you win. And of course, you could you know chat about the Oscars with us in the Facebook group all night long as well. Well, that's it Uh, till then. Keep feeling film, keep watching movies, and we will talk to you soon. Hey, everyone. Thanks again for listening. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love to hear from you. You can leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you're listening. These help increase visibility for the show and grow our community of listeners like you. We also invite you to connect with us further by joining our ever-growing Facebook discussion group. A link to that is in the show notes, or you can just search on Facebook and find us that way. If you'd like to continue the conversation with me, you can follow the show on Twitter at FeelinFilm, or connect with me in the Facebook group. I'm very active in both places, and I'd love to chat. And if you want to connect with me, you can find me at ShoelessPatch Patch on both Facebook and Twitter, but be sure to tag me in any comments so that I'll be notified and not miss you. Once again, thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. Until then... Stay positive and keep feeling fit.